Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. So we are back at a building that we have spelunked in the past, but it's back in the news and it's, it's, it's now reopened. The Oriental Theater on Milwaukee's East Side. Of course, every one of you has been there. That's right. Once, every right? single one of you, if not twice, right? Right. Well, this is the only surviving movie palace that is still a movie palace yeah. in the strictest sense. And has always been. And has always been. So um, for a while it was closed. It's reopened now. Just get us up to speed. What is the, the you know, what's the, the nuts and bolts here? So Milwaukee Film officially took it over on July 1st. Right. Uh, and it closed just before that. And they've spent about six weeks doing some important stuff. It's not all stuff that people, It's you know, they didn't really polish it, but they did some really important quality of life things. Right. So uh, when you go to the Milwaukee Film Festival this year, you might not notice like a huge transformation. And that's probably a good thing. You will notice it if you need an ADA accessible bathroom. Sure. You will notice it if you're a woman and don't want to have to climb the stairs to go to the bathroom. That is um, crazy that there was no bathroom for, for, the, for women to use on the first floor. Yeah, it is crazy, isn't it? For all these years? Since 1927. So what do they do? Walked upstairs. Wow. Uh, there how they, was. How did they get away with this, Bobby? That I just don't seems know. ridiculous. At one point, though, a while back, they did add like a like a single person wheelchair accessible bathroom next to the men's room. Okay. But, but now it's going to be a full complement of men's and women's bathrooms on the first floor. Um, they also upgraded the audio systems, they upgraded the screen. Okay. They upgraded their projection equipment. So it's going to be a lot of like good quality of life stuff like you may not walk in and be like hey everything's shinier but you'll walk in and you'll you'll feel it yeah and those are the i mean those are the things that really count when you're when you're going to a movie is you want to hear you want to be able to hear the movie really well you want to you know experience really great visuals and you know you probably want to go to the bathroom too yeah, if you well, got to do that and the other stuff is going to come i mean they have a plan that goes out a number of years to like completely they fixed some uh, there had been a leak in the roof the roof has been replaced um, and they have fixed a bit of the plaster in the auditorium that was damaged. Okay. But they're going they're going to uh, restore all of the plaster work at some point. They're um, going to replace the seats in the balcony. Oh, okay. Fix fix the seats in the balcony and replace things that need to be replaced. And was the balcony closed or was the whole was like a portion of it closed or was it always open? No, it was generally speaking I think it was closed yeah. but it would open for Big sell, like during the film festival, yeah. open because they needed it. I've been up there once, but I, I it was like for a special thing, you know. I, I can't remember ever sitting up there to watch a movie. I don't think I did either. I remember sitting up there for concerts okay. in the '80s, but I don't remember ever seeing a movie from up there. Well, you know, when you talk about the '80s, that seems like a long time ago now, but it's, I mean, in the history of this building, right? <laughs> right. I mean, this building has been there since when? When did this open up? 1927. So when you go. You're not going to see, you know, and I think that's probably a good thing that they're preserving so much of the original character of the building. You know, they added the bathroom and they did some uh, technological improvements, but the Buddhas are still there. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, all the ornate finishes are still there. I had people contact me too saying, oh, what are they going to do? I'm afraid they're going to wreck it, you know. And when I went and did an initial story uh, at the beginning of July, you know, as Sarah Meany, who's their marketing person, said, you know, we love this place as much as anybody. We right. don't want to change it. We're not, you know, they're, you know, if, you and I love the Oriental Theater. Imagine with Milwaukee film, sure. <laughs> people think of the Oriental Theater. They're definitely not looking to change it in any any sort of way that would detract from the experience. So with the reopening of the Oriental Theater, of course, that, that makes me wonder about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. 
being, you know, the longest running live Rocky Horror Picture Show. Since 1978? Yeah. Incredible. Is that going to keep going? Uh, Yeah, it is going to keep going. Well, we mentioned the Buddhas. That's one of the, I think, probably the most known thing that you kind of got to look for when you go to the, the Oriental Theater. There is so much stuff in there. Right? It's yeah. it, There's peacocks. Have you ever seen the peacocks? I have seen the peacocks. Yeah, the I've seen the Buddhas. There's like a little cat-like animal, right, with the light-up eyes. Yes. But there are other things. There's other kind of Easter egg things that you uncovered in your tour that you might have to look a little bit harder to find. Yes. We're going to talk more about that next on Urban Spelunking. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and to Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out our donor benefits and the thank you gifts you can get to show off your 88.9 pride. Back at the Oriental Theater this week on Urban Spelunking, and we were talking about these Easter eggs that you might find sprinkled throughout the theater, but only if you look really, really hard. Yeah, you could probably find endless Easter eggs in right. the auditorium. If you go in there with the lights on, you can see all kinds of stuff that you'll never see if you only go see movies there because the lights are always down. So this most elaborate part, other than the lobby, the most elaborate part of the theater is almost always in the dark. Yeah. Um, so one of those things you might find with the lights on, George Harrison. There is a face in the carpet that is repeated in the pattern of the carpet. Okay. But there is one that the people who work at the Oriental thinks think uh, looks most like George Harrison of the Beatles. And that one is in the lobby. Oh. Um, but if you Wait look at all the repeating, I mean, there's there's hundreds, I mean, probably thousands of them, of these little faces there. And they're all sort of similar because of the way the carpet's made, it's not completely uniform. So some look like Kenny Loggins, <laughs> some look like John Oates, you know. But there's but there's one that looks really the most like George Harrison, and that is in the lobby. So, the, so there's, there's... And it is sort of near the main door into the main auditorium. I'll so there's tell you no that. way that anybody could just, like, pinpoint this, right? You got to go to your know. story and see the picture, but... Yeah, yeah, you might be able to, to pinpoint it. To get a really close view, you got to look at the And pictures. that's the one they showed me that they all agree is... I mean, I don't know if they voted, you know. But. So this is the thing, like, that. there's this consensus. Like, there's like, have you there's... seen George Harrison's face in the car? But I'm like, hell no, I have not. And this would literally be impossible because this is uh, 91 years old. Yes. So it's not, it wasn't like an intentional choice to, unless George Harrison visited the builders from no, the No, and the carpet's not that old. I should oh, say. okay, okay, all right. No, the carpet's not that old. But no, no, I doubt they invented George Harrison years before his birth. <laughs> unless he <laughs> And years before his beard growth. And, and of course, it looks like George Harrison, late era Beatles, you know, like uh -huh. when John Lennon looked like a rabbi and uh -huh. like, you know, that right. they had beards and long hair and. Okay, so there's this section of the carpet that yes. kind of resembles George Harrison. Yes. Look away from the Kenny Loggins one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. Uh, yeah. What else? And can I say what freaked me out about that most of all and this will be yes, relevant to nobody or, or nothing? No, but this is a podcast, so that's when we talk about the things that are relevant this, to no one. This is relevant to me. And, but and uh, I was in a band for a long time with a guy named Joe Vent. Uh, okay. And Joe is like the biggest George Harrison fan I know. Okay. And Joe also wrote a song uh, that our band used to do called I Saw Your Face in the Carpet. So as soon as they showed it to me, I'm like, hold on, I gotta text someone. <laughs> so I took a picture of it and I texted it to Joe. I'm like, oh my God, this is like some crazy prophecy. Although he never said he saw George Harrison's face in the carpet still. So George Harrison in the carpet. Yeah. What else? Also in the lobby, you know, there is a tile border that runs around the lobby, mm -hmm. as you can see, and it's got a repeating pattern in it. Okay. And there's one tile that breaks the pattern. Mm. 
And we don't know why that is, of course. We don't know. You and I speculated about this earlier. Was, you know, were they one tile away from completion and they were like, well, we could wait till we get the right one or we could just throw this one in there now and nobody will ever right. notice. Because like on the left side of the tile, it, it matches. That one matches on one side, but on the other side, it doesn't match. It breaks. The pattern is broken there. And, and if you look, if you look at it, you can see the pattern is clearly broken. That also is in the lobby. I will tell you that much. So you got to look around for this this one out of place tile. Yes. You know that perhaps the tile person was just like, eh. Yeah, we're, right, we don't know, or or maybe it was just you know I don't know they probably drank beer on the job back. Then. Right. Know, is it in a much. is it in a pretty visible place? It is in a very visible place. I will say it is on what would be the east side of the lobby. So you have to know your directions when you you know when you yes. enter the theater you're facing east. Okay. So it is sort of toward the easternmost part of the. Lobby. You're being kind of stingy you. with the clues here, Bobby. Uh, it is beyond. It is past. You have to walk past the concession stand. Okay, past the concession stand on the east side. Look for that one out of place tile, and that's it. Yes. He's giving away no more clues. No more. Well, I don't. You know, I want them to let me in. <laughs> that's right. Okay. I can't, I can't say it all. And there are some other Easter eggs that you can only see. Like other people online were talking about. Oh, have you seen Devo fans will want to see this Easter egg? Uh, there's a presumably somebody from Devo when they played there wrote the name Devo and a little star oh. backstage. Okay, so that's, so that's backstage. There, but you got to be able to get back there to see that. So I didn't include that in the story because I thought okay. it wasn't really fair. And of course, the peacocks. The peacocks, which everybody can see. So maybe not quite as much of an Easter You egg. can see them better if you're in the balcony. So, the, you know, obviously, you know, at the time, these these movie palaces were were designed to just transport people to, to another... I don't even want to say like a place in time because this is... it's this. This well, this it's, is it's this isn't a even place. a place. Yeah, right. Because it's, it's, it's this mishmash of things. It's a complete mishmash of things. There's like there's you know it's got minarets outside and there's paintings uh, of the Strait of Hormuz in Turkey in the inside. You can see there's uh, there's mosques and things, but then there's Buddhas. Right. You know it's just a complete mishmash of of Eastern cultural things. You know, but like from all over the place. And the idea was, you know, just like how, how film transports you to a, another place slash time, that was the idea to just kind of, you know, play on that, of that, that an art form trans, transforming reality. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, that's what the point of all the movie palaces were, right? I mean, you were supposed to, like, these people who sort of had work-a-day lives were supposed to be able to, like, crowd into these places on the day off and spend the entire day there and be in what felt like a palace or something, you know, like really just kind of, show them a side of life cruelly, I guess, that they would never experience <laughs> otherwise. And if you include the balcony, uh, the Oriental is huge. It is huge. I mean, and, and even with those two little boxes that they carved out, you know, for the smaller theaters, it's still huge. And, you know, I mean, I don't, a lot of people complain about those. I don't, I mean, I prefer they weren't there, but I understand the economics of why they're there. And, and the fact, and given the economics of them, they were done at least nice. You go in and they they look pretty nice. And yeah. They're sort of unobtrusive. Yeah, I mean bed. it's a reality now that there's it's a reality. I mean, it really, if we, you know, the I guess the choice is we could have just not had the Oriental anymore. Right. Yeah. Or we could have the Oriental with those little boxes. Right. I, I mean, this, I choose the Oriental with the little boxes. <laughs> kind of a no-brainer for Bobby. Yeah. And I think for most people, I mean, it's uh, you know, there's a lot more movies to see now, and and you know, back then there weren't, and that's why the one theater worked really well, and mm-hmm. it was a much bigger event. But times have changed, and. And now we have things like the film festival programming all three of those theaters within the Oriental, and, and that, not just that, but the others. And that's going to be amazing. You know, they're talking about going back to you have to be of a certain age to to remember this, but you know, the Oriental used to do a full sheet calendar every month, 
really? listed all of you know all of the movies that were going to play because they didn't just open a movie and run it for a week or two or three or four. They had every day or two or three, they had a complete change of program. Mm. You know, they would have a double feature of two reggae music documentaries one day. And then, the ne- you know, two days later, they'd have two David Bowie movies. Or the next week, they might have a whole week full of Stanley Kubrick double features, things like that. You know, and they're going to go back to programming the theater, at, at least in part that way. Yeah. So, which is exciting. What does this mean then for just the future of of uh, you know with with the Oriental Theater now being under Milwaukee Films uh, control? What does this mean for the programming? I think it means more like truly indie movies. I think it means more sort of art house pictures that we kind of didn't really see much since you know the Oriental had almost sort of morphed into a slightly left of mainstream mm-hmm. kind of theater. You know, I mean, but really the it was showing pretty much wide release movies. But I think they're going to go back to, I mean, this was the place that showed She's Gotta Have It in 1986, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. which nobody else in town was showing. Uh, so they're going to go back to that. Indie stuff, foreign stuff, art house stuff. Well, what a great piece that you wrote, Bobby. I mean, it, it really digs into the history. And as I mentioned, tons of really great photos, all these uh, original plans and renderings from uh, before the, the movie palace was constructed. Lots of really great stuff. So make sure you check out the complete column linked right here at RadioMilwaukee.org. Well, Urban Spelunking is produced by Tyrone Miller and Kenny Perez. Handcrafted Sonic Inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from On Milwaukee and your membership. Subscribe to this podcast at RadioMilwaukee.org slash podcasts on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. On Milwaukee's Bobby Tantillo. Thanks. Thanks.